0: You're listening to In Her Voice, a podcast brought to you by Women in Hollywood. I'm your host, Melissa Silverstein, and this podcast is dedicated to supporting and amplifying the voices of women who work in the global entertainment business. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome to today's show. I want to dedicate this to my friend Andrea Miller, who passed away unexpectedly a couple of weeks ago. She was a fierce activist for women's reproductive freedom, and she will be greatly missed by many people. Her passing is just a reminder to do what you love, don't sweat the small stuff, and don't take shit from anyone. This has been a big adjustment, so I'm going to take some time, and this will be the last podcast of the year, and we'll be back in 2024. Today's conversation is is terrific. I really enjoyed it. The guest is Lucina Fisher. She is the director and producer of The Dads, which is now playing on Netflix. She is also the director of Mama Gloria, and she recently won the Pitch Black Film Forum's top prize for an upcoming project that will focus on Black queer representation in music. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Stay safe. Happy holidays. Today's guest is Lucina Fisher and she is the director of The Dads and we go way back and so we're going to be talking about a bunch of things including this lovely movie called The Dads but literally two minutes before we started this interview a deadline piece popped up in my brain and said that you are now represented by CAA. Look at you big time girl. I haven't even seen that yet. Oh my god. Yes, it's
1: true. Wow.
0: And I say I knew a you were, and not too long ago, your your trajectory is like fucking fast.
1: You know what? You get to be a certain age, and you're just like, "Let's go!" Like yeah. I don't have time. I don't have time to fool around. Yeah, I'm I'm over fifty now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we all are. And, and LFG, let's fucking go. Right? Oh, we can curse on here. Okay, oh, come yeah, on. Totally. <laughs> it's just me and you. <laughs> we can curse. I'm just like, I'm so excited for you. I feel joy when I see your success and it moves me. We'll come back to that, but let's start with the dads. A lovely meditation on masculinity, fatherhood, trans land. How did you get involved in it?
1: Some of this is from not just me as a filmmaker interested in telling stories in the LGBTQ space, But my role as a mom, a mom of a trans child, and that sort of brought together these two things that I love, my children and filmmaking. And I was like, how can I use my voice to make the world a safer place for my kids, particularly my trans daughter? Mama Gloria was the beginning of that. That was the story of a mother's love that came out in 2020 And then the dads is kind of a continuation of that, only it's looking through the lens of fathers. And these dads, I know them. I work alongside them for the Human Rights Campaign's Parents for Transgender Equality Council. And I overheard them talking about taking a a fishing trip or a hiking trip, some trip to the woods, when we were at a conference for LGBTQ youth and i thought that's really interesting this juxtaposition of these two things like what would other people think if they could hear or see these dads right at this conference right now and and that made me think there's something here and i invited myself along cuz you know i do that and they said yes so in in 22 we took a weekend fishing trip to Broken Bow, Oklahoma, with the help of the human rights campaign. And we brought along three other dads, so a total of six fathers. And it was life changing for everybody.
0: How did Matthew Shepard's father get involved with this group of men?
1: Dennis Shepard has been involved with the Human Rights Campaign pretty soon after Matthew was killed in um, 1998, 25 years ago this year. And he's been a big supporter of Human Rights Campaign. They've been a big supporter of his and Judy's work. And he was one of the dads who was talking about that trip to the woods. He was there at Time to Thrive in 2020. And I think that was probably the first time I met Dennis and Wayne. I think my daughter was actually introducing Nicole Maines, Wayne's daughter, who is a an actress pretty well known. That was this great moment of meeting him and then inviting myself along to their trip. But Dennis, I think, was a little hesitant actually about being there with these other fathers of trans kids because he really felt like they have a different conversation than he has as a dad um, of a gay son. But honestly, he has been the reason many of these dads speak out today. He cleared the path. He showed the way for how fathers can show up for their LGBTQ kids. And so many of these dads have tremendous respect for him. So even though when we were filming, at times he would hang back so that they could have their own conversation, I think he recognized that there is a line you can draw between him and Stephen, who speaks at the end of the film and talks about the need for a movement of fathers. And it makes sense that Stephen, as a father of a Black trans son, would have the last word because that is where we are in this moment.
0: His story was so moving with his wife passing and as he says in the movies she basically raised these kids and now he has to take them on the rest of their journey and I was just so heartbroken for him. Men have a really hard time with this in general LGBTQ stuff but particularly the t- the T the trans part and there are not a lot of models out there on how to behave well for your children, how to show up, as you said, for your children. And I think what these men are doing is kind of demystifying the ability for men to be present. And you live this life in your home and in a lot of your work. Share the the journey that your family has gone on and how that reflects in your work on this film.
1: Absolutely. I mean... I am so fortunate to have a supportive partner, husband, who did show up early on. I mean, he's a clinical psychologist, so that's one thing. But even when our child at age two was saying, I'm a girl, I'm not a boy, there wasn't a lot known, or there wasn't a lot of support there was still this kind of, just like gay used to be in the the DSM manual, trans was at one point when we started on this journey. And it was still a very confusing time. And I credit my husband with like, just being calm and always what, what is it our child needs from us? Like, that we need to rise to that occasion. and 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 no, it wasn't always easy. It was a long journey. and um, we didn't always see eye to eye, but we were always thinking about what was best for our child and giving our child space to become who they needed to be. And he has just always shown up in that way. And in much the same way that I showed up, I, I felt like, yeah, there are these narratives, there's these hesitancies, these beliefs that we have. Um, but how can we show something different? Because if it's if I see that in my family and also in other families that I meet where the dads are there, they're right there, they're showing up. Yeah, they went on that journey. It wasn't easy always. It took years sometimes, but ultimately they got there. If I know this from my experience that that exists, I'm like, that's maybe what needs to to be on screen. That is a great example of how you can be in life. And so I just felt like it was the dad's turn to really speak to this journey. And they can say so much about what it means to to be men and, and how that socialization, how the world telling them what masculinity should look like, how you need to be as a man in the world, how you need to be as a father. For them, they had to dismantle some of that in order to really show up as the dad their kids needed. They had to see that this was important to their children and that enabled them to become better human beings. Mm -hmm. So I do think that is, I hope, one of the messages of this is, what are we afraid of, as Wayne Maines asks, and how can we get over that fear in order to show up for our kids.
0: Yeah, and I think there are a lot of people who can't get over that fear. So can you talk a little bit about your filmmaking journey? Because as we discussed earlier, you were a journalist, you worked at ABC News, that was where we met. And then you just made a transition and you were like, I'm gonna be a storyteller now in a different kind of way. And your first documentary was Mama Gloria, right? And it came through the Athena Film Festival. Now we're calling it the Documentary Pitch Program. Ooh, I like that. I like that title too. And so you came 2019, I think you were in the class?
1: 2020, because like the right world Right before the pandemic? Down. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a, a week later after the pitch.
0: Okay. <laughs> so you were in our 2020 class. Talk a little bit about how you made it happen, because I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have the will, but sometimes that doesn't work.
1: Yeah, somebody was saying to me the other day, she was like, people think it was overnight for you, Right? that it looks like it was overnight, but you've been at this a very long time. Yeah. And like, yes. And even if it wasn't where filmmaking was like right at the center of my life and my work, it was always something I was doing on the side or I was always, we connected, as you said, because of my love for film and Hollywood and women storytellers. And so even when I was like writing about film, it was me taking in this information and learning. When I came out of college, there was no documentary filmmaking. There was journalism and I was a journalist for many years. And so I knew how to tell a story. I knew how to do interviews and it was, it was my unique lens. Right. So when I had that opportunity, really a bit of a mixed blessing, but ABC News, where I worked for 10 years, was like, you got to come on full time when come, come work in the office. And I was like, no, I, I will never. Do this. And so I took a chance on me and I went for it and started making work full time. Thank goodness for the Athena Film Festival and that wonderful room of supportive people and Judith Health helping me get my pitch and my materials together. Because out of that, I got Black Public Media on board and my first broadcast license for PBS. Mama Gloria right out the gate had distribution. So that changed things, but so did the racial reckoning. You you cannot skip that because that, that timing of me releasing a film that year, plus the industry looking at itself, particularly the documentary industry and how are we telling these stories? And should we be the ones telling these stories? Or should it be the people from the community that the stories are about? And so suddenly, it was like, where are the Black women filmmakers? And I started getting calls and got a lot of work. And This year, I have three films on the circuit.
0: Three films? (laughs) What else do we have on the circuit this year? I know. Team Dream is still Mm -hmm. on
1: the circuit. That was with the Queen Collective, Queen Latifah Exec Producing. And that's won a lot of awards. And then Locked Out. Oh, yes.
0: I wanted to ask you about Locked Out.
1: Yeah, that's about the barriers to Black homeownership. That I co-directed with Kate Davis, and that came out in April, and we won Best Documentary Feature at American Black Film Festival, and it just opened double exposure. So we're still looking for distribution for that. Now things feel like they're really sped up, but I feel like a kid. I feel like I'm having just so much fun telling stories. This is what I've wanted to do since I was a kid. And I'm I'm just enjoying life right now. And
0: oh my God, the Netflix calls. How does this happen? (laughs) Tell me the timing. So you've gone to the retreat and you'd filmed the retreat. And so you had that and you were like, okay, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to make a movie? And then Netflix calls you and what do they say?
1: Well, no. So we did the filming last March in 22. And then I was working on three, two three two other projects three last year and then i i was like editing that and editing locked out and then starting team dream <laughs> and finally i was like okay i always envisioned that it was going to be a short between 10 and 15 minutes and and my goal was really like let's get into some key festivals and reach audiences that we would normally not reach as the human rights campaign. Let's reach middle America. Let's reach somebody who's never met a trans person. That's who I wanted to really reach. And I was like, I want to get it done by the South by Southwest deadline. I figured that Texas was a really important place for this conversation and was shocked when we got in. <laughs> that was like the first big surprise. And then I was like, oh, is something happening? Once it was on the South by platform, we got a lot of calls from different distributors, but really it was after the film premiered and the next day Netflix reached out and I was like, okay, some something big's happening that I have no control over. <laughs> like this is beyond what I could have dreamed for the film. And yet it just feels like it is the right thing for this. It's the right moment because globally, this conversation is so important. And there are so many people who need this message right now. And then that wasn't the only thing. Then Dwayne Wade also came on board. The three-time NBA All-Star who also happens to be a supportive dad of a trans kid that felt like this was the film he would have made. And why not come aboard as an EP? So yeah, I'm living the dream right now, Melissa.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm happy for you. Very, very happy for you. My question is, what advice would you impart to some people who are kind of like one of these 25 year overnight sensations kind of thing where you work so hard for 25 years and then all of a sudden it pays off in a way that you didn't expect. I think women tamp down their creativity for a long time and then it just bubbles, bubbles, bubbles and and you can't keep it down anymore. I'm having the same journey myself. I wanna do more creative things. And I think that these are the voices that the world said you didn't matter, right? Like, we don't need to hear from you. You're not important. And I think what we're all trying to say is, fuck, yeah, we are important. (laughs) And these stories are important. And we're going to make them and we're going to center them. And I think that's part of the Athena ethos. What would you share with other people who are going on this creative journey for themselves? And Netflix doesn't call. Like, how do you how do you keep going?
1: how do you keep going? Oh my God. I remember being, I think in my forties with two kids, young kids, cause I got started late and interviewing this woman who said to me, she's like, the secret is it really gets going at 50 and after. And she's like, just hang on. Because from where you're looking, you think your life is over. You just have to put your creativity last, like you said, on the shelf or in a box. But when you turn 50, something happens. All of the experience of your life, all of those dreams together combine the wisdom that you have and and the drive now, and also the sense of what time means. You are just raring to go, and you have voice, you have agency, and you use it. And you don't care what other people think because you know you matter. And you know that there are people who want to hear from you. I mean, right now we're in this moment where the audience is older in a lot of ways, right? And older women, and they are looking for stories, right? and role models that reflect their own life. You just have to keep believing in yourself. I've been giving myself the green light for years. I did not wait for Hollywood to call because I didn't expect Hollywood to call. You know, I just figured I would find a way to get my creativity out into the world. And maybe one day the world would catch up with me. And guess what that's happened? And so you always, though, have to be thinking about what is it you want to say and who are you and what uniquely do you bring to the world and lean into that. Don't try to be anybody else. You just have to be yourself.
0: Be yourself. That's the key. And trust yourself. Well, this has been delightful. Thank you so much. So good to see you always. You You are a star. And just before we close, the dads will be on Netflix starting this Friday, right? On November 17th. That's right. Thank you for your work. Your work is really important. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to share with a friend or better yet, follow us on Spotify and give us five stars or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Spreading the word really helps us reach as many people as possible. You can also subscribe to the Substack for the Women in Hollywood weekly newsletter of all content buying about women that is opening and streaming. You can sign up directly at womenandhollywood.com. This is a Women in Hollywood Productions podcast. I'm Melissa Silverstein. Until next time, goodbye.